Hey everybody, this is Nate Smoyer and you're listening to the Tech Nest Podcast. This is the show where we sit down with the leaders in real estate and technology to find out what they're doing to transform the way we buy, sell, and invest in real estate. If you've got an interest in real estate and technology, stick around, you're in the right place. All right, we've got a great show for you today. We have Alex Dubay. He's the CEO of a company called Door. Check this. They have the domain door.com. And I love what they're doing right now. So uh, they are a flat fee service for home sellers to get their home sold. Just 5,000 bucks. That's it. Okay. And, you know, while I was, as Alex and I were talking, we talk about the average amount of money that they're saving. Uh, sellers when they go to sell their property and it's up to $10,000 uh, of equity instead of paying out in excess commissions that they're able to make sure that the sellers are keeping. Additionally, you're going to want to listen to this because Alex talks through the story of even why he started the company and it's fascinating to hear a tech company talk so much about the personal touch on service. Also, we go deep into culture and its importance on building a big business Kick back, relax. You're going to love this one. Well, hey, Alex, welcome to the show. Hey, great to be here. Really appreciate the invite. Yeah, I appreciate you taking aside the time to talk with us. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited about this because uh, I think what you guys are doing pretty cool. I'm not going to give away the secret or not secret, but I'm not going to give away the details of what you're doing. So why don't you go ahead, introduce yourself, let everyone know who you are and what you do. Sure. My name is Alex Dubay. I started a company called Door, and that's door.com. And we, we launched about four years ago, almost four years ago now, here, and we're based here in Dallas, Texas. And the, the founding story, I kind of lovingly call it the mom story, was uh, about uh, probably five or seven years ago now. My mom sold her house, and it's a pretty common experience that a lot of home sellers go through. She used a traditional realtor. She paid 6% commission. She'd owned the house 20 years, so I'd seen it appreciate quite a bunch. And she ended up paying a little over $50,000 in commission to a real estate agent. And that in and of itself, I just thought was crazy that you could spend that kind of money in the day and age of the internet. But the thing that really got me was that she didn't get a thank you note. And for whatever reason, that just really kind of tugged at my heartstring and, and struck me as so odd that uh, so many parts of, of being a consumer have improved with the internet, but for whatever reason, selling your house just hadn't. And so we started Door uh, four years ago to help solve that problem. All right. So many different angles I want to go off here. We'll start with the thank you note here. So <laughs> here's the deal. So, you know, I just had an interesting experience moving to Chicago and I worked with a realtor to help find a place. And when they asked, they, they did email me asking for a review. And I was very honest about it. I said, you know, I, I would love to have given you a great review, but honestly, I couldn't give you above a three-star. And I don't know what you, if you want me to post that. And I said, and, and, and I gave good reasons why, you know, I, and I gave constructive feedback. And I thought about this just the other night as I was thinking about our interview coming up and, and your story there is that had she followed up and, and with a, a, a follow-up email uh, or even a card, like you said, I say, you know what? Thank you so much for that feedback. That was very helpful. I totally understand. Even that far, I would have left that review. I would have posted the review. I would have said, you know what? No, that changes everything. Maybe it's just, I caught her on an off chance. You know, that's how things went, but you're so right. That personal touch, if you're lacking that, what, what a difference that can make. So, um, 
I don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole. I got one other rabbit hole and then we'll, we'll dive into the details. How did you get door.com? <laughs> so we bought door.com, the URL about a year ago, probably one of our investors was kind enough to offer to buy the domain for us. And so we ended up buying it from uh, essentially the person was a squatter for a, a good chunk of change. And we got door.com. We, we had gone through multiple URLs, none of which were particularly good. But as you probably know, it's really hard to find good URLs these days, particularly not... a four-letter domain, and it, it's a real word. Well, we had, we had had thisisdoor.com. We had doorhomes.com. I think even the .co URL was taken. And, and my issue with .co was for a heavily consumer-facing business like ours, I just I even still look at a .co URL and I, I always wonder, did they misspell .com? <laughs> and so uh, someone framed it really well for me one time, you know, make something so easy your grandmother could do it. And my grandma does not understand what a .co address is. So when we had the opportunity to get door.com, we just thought that came with it a, a level of understanding and, and recognizability. It was worth it. I, I'm going to make the suggestion to our CEO at Avail that maybe we need to write a letter to our investors asking if they want to gift us the Avail.com yeah. domain. A little bake sale and see if we can raise the funds. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's fascinating. Uh, I don't think I've heard uh, that. That's so cool. And uh, I'm not going to ask you to disclose how much. You already said it was a good chunk of change. We'll leave it at that. So, uh, fill me in here. Why start the company? I mean, obviously you, you talked about the pain point, but why is now so important to start a company like door? Well, why I, I think you hit on a really important point, which was even though my mom spent 50 some odd thousand dollars for, for whatever reason, there's just kind of this human element to the thank you note piece of it. And in my opinion, a bottle of wine and a thank you note still doesn't justify fifty thousand dollars, or or what it name you know insert your figure ten thousand dollars, twenty thousand uh, dollars. The the fact that you can have a really poor experience and pay that kind of money is crazy. And in retrospect, I think what people don't think about is when you're using a real estate agent. That is for just about everyone in the country, uh, the the biggest single professional services fee you pay. And yet, realtors have just done a really good job kind of weaving themselves into, oh, well, you know, you're, you have to use a realtor. You're selling your house. You got to pay a realtor. Right. And I think they've made it become kind of a, an afterthought that, that there's this really big amount of money attached to it. And so, uh, what, what has traditionally existed is you could, put, you could do for sale by owner, FSBO, FISBO. You can, you can sell your house FISBO and... You do all the work and you save some money and there are a whole host of problems with that. On the other end of the spectrum, you can pay a real estate agent 5 or 6% and you, you spend a ton of your home equity. And as a side note, you know, the average American spends about 30% of their home equity on a real estate agent. People don't think about it in those terms, but when you go to sell your house, you usually have about 25% equity in it and you pay 5 or 6% to an agent. So you're spending... 20 to 30% of your home equity on an agent, which I just think is crazy. But what yeah. we're building at door.com is this, this new way that's really enabled by information technology. And the, the third way, so to speak, is when you're using an agent, people oftentimes feel it, it's, it's too expensive and there's a lack of transparency. You don't really know what your agent's doing. On the other end of the spectrum, FISBO, you're saving a bunch of money 
but you don't really know what you're doing. You're not an agent. You don't do this every day. So you, yep. you don't want to make a mistake that could potentially cost you a bunch of money. So what we're building is this technology platform where we charge you a flat fee. So we only charge people $5,000 to sell their house. And our, our tech pushes out to our sellers all the information our agents can see. So views of your house online, comparable listings, uh, offers as they come in, showings as they come in, feedback from agents as we receive it. Everything that traditionally is kind of held close to the vest by a real estate agent with door, you're able to see that. You work with an agent who's selling 20 times as many houses as the average agent in the country. So an expert, excellent agent. And you're saving, and this is true, and our, our clients have saved an average of about $10,000. So I, oh, wow. I am really passionate about protecting people's home equity because I saw my mom spend so much money on selling her house and I'd rather have that, I'd rather her have that money to retire or, or to do whatever with. That's so, that is so amazing that literally a story of didn't get a thank you card and a, you know, a $10 bottle of wine led to you starting a company that helps people save, you know, $10,000 in equity when they, when they sell. Oh. I, I joke with my mom now that might've been the best thank you note she ever didn't get. So we'll... <laughs> Did you give her equity? Uh, no, but you know, if this works out really well, it's, it's her retirement. So there you go. Yeah. There you go. No, I'm a, that's so awesome. There. I asked her to invest early on and she said no. So I don't know what that says. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm sure uh, you're a good son. You'll, I'm, I have no doubt you'll take care of her on that. So what's, um, you know, you, okay. So you have this platform here and, and people can list with you. Now you're not setting up shop like a traditional brokerage in, in states everywhere, right? You're partnering with agents everywhere. So we actually have agents who are employees who are licensed around the country, but they're all here in Dallas. And so it. It, is a, it is a different way of, of going to market. But what you see with Redfin is a great example. Uh, it is really, really expensive to go build an office in every single city in the country. And uh, you, you see that with uh, you know the steadily decreasing amount of money they give back on the buy side, as a for instance. There, there just isn't enough money to go around if you're building a bunch of offices. And uh, because of automated valuation modules, because of web conferencing, because of all those great technologies now, uh, houses are extraordinarily knowable online now. So you can do a great valuation of a home and get it sold uh, without being in market. And that's what Door is really, really good at. So I have to talk about your home valuation process in a minute here. I went through it earlier today and I got a call within, it had to be within one minute. <laughs> it had to be within one minute. And That's I will say it to my ears. Yeah. So, so yeah. And I didn't tell the person right away that I was just testing them out. Uh, I waited until uh, he was like, yeah, let me, I had a question for him on something. And he said, let me follow up with you on that. I want to do some, I'll make sure I get you the right answer. I said, well, actually, let me, let me not waste your time. I just wanted to tell you, I've just given this a shot here. I wanted to see how well it worked. Uh, but getting that call within the first minute, uh, I know how lead gen works. You got to be fast on this. So you, you're, you guys have built the system to where not only people can find out the information they really want to know, which is the reason why they, you know, they're interviewing agents, but they really want to know, hey, what's my home worth? What could it sell? So you're giving it to them fast and then able to, you know, concierge level service, give them a call and, and walk them through that process like right away because you have people waiting to do that. 
Yeah, I, I think that's something that's oftentimes lost in the discussion. We hear it all the time. I mean, and you talk to a lot of people disrupting the space uh, and Traditional agents love to say, oh, don't work with a disruptor. Don't work with a flat fee company. You're going to get terrible service. You're going to get a horrible experience. You're going to sell for less money. All these bad things. They, they really like to prey on people's fear in that way. You're regard. missing the one word that, they, that is often used to describe brokerages that don't, miss, they, that don't hit the tradition, traditional model. Is, I think it's, a, I think it's a, a dirty word, in my opinion, when they say they just discount Discount. Oh yeah, discount. Yeah, discounting what I always ask, and I always say, when did five thousand dollars become not a lot of money to pay for something? You know, when you flip it around, imagine if I plopped five thousand dollars of cash on your lap someday. So I'd be like, wow, that's the best day ever, right? I mean, that's, that's a lot of money. Day. So I, I I really respect uh, people's money, but the. Real estate agents love to say that. And the reality is you, you hit on it. it we're, we're building a, a convenience platform to make this less expensive and way easier because yep. I can't tell you how many times one of our agents has been negotiating a deal and the traditional agent on the other end is in Europe for two weeks. And, and there's nothing against going to Europe whatsoever, but you never have to deal with that at door. You know, we're yep. staffed seven days a week. Someone's always going to answer your phone call mm. or 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. seven days a week. And so when you are, are sitting at home or at work or wherever and you decide, I need to figure out how I'm going to sell my house and you discover door and you say, I want to know more information. Someone's calling you within 60 seconds because we live in a fast age, right? You, yep. People expect immediacy. And I just don't think these days, it makes sense to rely on a single person who may or may not call you back that day uh, and, and who's, who's using their personal cell phone and maybe they're in Europe, you know? Yeah. So, com, I think uh, realtors love to call, you know, say, oh, we're a discount, bad service, whatever. They're, the opposite is true. Our net promoter score has been rising steadily since we started. We're over 80 pretty consistently now. Wow. So, you get a fantastic experience. I think a better experience because we're staffed all the time and we have people that do this professionally all the time. And that, that results in, in a much better outcome for our clients. That's amazing. And, and, and so now my, my only complaint on the, uh, the valuation though, these guys aren't available yet in Washington. That was <laughs> we, are, we are not licensed in Washington yet, but by the end of next year, we'll be licensed in all 50 states. Washington, I think uh, September, if I'm not mistaken, will be licensed. Okay. So what are the current, yeah, what are the current states? And so it sounds like within a year, you're, you're planning on nationwide expansion, but where are you currently? So I, I may miss one or two, but we're currently licensed in California, Texas, uh, Arizona, Colorado, Florida, Georgia, Pennsylvania. We're licensed in, I believe it's eight or nine states right now. Wow. Uh, we'll be licensed in almost 40 by the end of the year and then 50 into next year. That's, that's a lot of hustle. Uh, it sounds it's, like quite a bit a lot of, of paperwork. Yeah. How do you, how do you manage? I, I got to ask that one. Cause I want to, and this is going to shift into, uh, we got so many more questions here. I want to get through, but like, how do you, um, find the right people who can, who can facilitate, you know, that, cause you have to train someone how to be a, a licensed agent for that state. Right. That's right. Yeah. And, and I think people is a, I mean, we could talk for a couple hours just on that subject, but 
you know, I you hear the you hear the kind of truism uh, all the time that that people are are the most important asset at a, a company, and I really think that's true. Uh, we we brought on a, a COO named Bruce McFadden uh, about three years ago, probably now, and he's been just instrumental in the the people part of the business, and he really puts focus on people's strengths and people's wiring. So how, how are people wired and then, or excuse me, skills and wiring rather. How are people wired and what are their skills? Because you can, you can bridge a skill gra- gap, but you can't, you can't change people's wiring. And so a simplistic example is, uh, you know, a buyer's agent is very different from a listing agent. It's just different wiring from what we've seen. And so we've oh, really- Oh, that is so the truth right there. What's that? That is so the truth. I would, I, I'll be- Absolutely, Frank. I was a terrible buyer's agent. <laughs> yeah, listing agents are very process-driven. Buyer's agents are much more emotionally driven. And because buying a house tends to be very emotional, selling a house tends to be a lot more mathematical. And I'm all on utility. I'm high yeah. utility, low aesthetics. Yeah. So, yeah. No, and, and so to your, to your question, it's, you know, my, my highest job, I think, is to make sure we've got the right people in the right seats. And uh, I think we've done a really good job of doing that and building a replicable model that allows us to continue to do that. And I think that's one of the real issues with the traditional brokerage model is that when you talk about Compass, for instance, having 15,000 agents, they're not really 15,000 Compass agents. They're 15,000 independent contractors who happen to have hung their license with Compass. And so the mere fact that an agent works at XYZ brokerage doesn't give you any guarantee of quality. And at door, quite the opposite. You know, I think a lot of times uh, traditional agents kind of sling the, oh, well, they're employees, so they're not driven to work as hard for, for you. And the, the best counter that I've ever heard there, one of our employees actually said, well, wait a second. No, 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 we're employees. If we don't do a good job, we get fired. Boom. And not that we fire people willy-nilly. That's not the point. The point is, it's quite the opposite. Independent contractors uh, are, are very independent. I mean, it's, it's right there in the name. Whereas our employees are judged by their net promoter <laughs> score. There are metrics they need to hit. Client satisfaction is of paramount importance. And so that really ensures a better experience, I think, for our, our clients. You know, we haven't talked about culture on this show a lot. A lot of times, uh, I think naturally, you know, we take the conversation to tech and to some of the challenges in real estate, but you're hitting on some things I think are really important that any founder of any type of company could take away, especially uh, though any company in real estate is having a strong culture can really solidify your future. Like that can lay the base that you're going to need to be able to deliver on what your promise is. Yeah. Uh, culture is extraordinarily important. It, it that, That's another one of those things that sounds kind of soft and, and made up and, and to some degree, but I you am a millennial. That was the word you were looking for. <laughs> and I am a millennial. So if, <laughs> if, if I'm guilty of that, then I'm, I'm, I'm being mean to myself, but um, culture is, is hard to measure, but it's, you kind of know it when you see it, I, I think. And I think we've developed a great culture and, you know, excellence, I think, is a really important degree there. You know, the expectation of people performing highly creates a really good culture. And there are a lot of ingredients, but I think that's a really important one. And yeah, we've been really good at uh, instilling throughout the organization. 
I love it. So, so you, you have this business, you help people list their home, you do all the, the paperwork, you help them with the marketing and all that, you take them through the whole process, but you've got a bit of a vertically integrated business. You've That's right. Yeah. Other businesses built onto this. So talk me through what are the other businesses that directly integrate with Door and then why did you go that route? And what are some of the challenges in going that route? So we have Door Title and Door Mortgage. And Door Title was launched back in 2017. Door Mortgage was launched middle of last year, middle of 2018. And uh, it you know, I think my biggest lesson from both of those is again, get the right people in the right seats because we, we hired someone uh, about probably six or eight months after we started Door Title. And it was, it was tough at the beginning. It was really hard. Title's a very different business. And once we got the right guy running that business, it was very smooth. And we have a fantastic title company now. And the reason we started Door Title and Door Mortgage is twofold. One, it's a lot more convenient for our, our clients. So when you're selling a house with us, uh, you, you can't legally require anyone to use a particular title company or, or any service provider. But um, generally speaking, around 90% of our sellers now are selling with door title because it's just a lot easier. We're all under one roof. We're right down the hallway from each other. And so if there's a problem, a door title employee is talking to a, a door real estate employee. So it just makes the, the whole transaction a lot smoother. Uh, on the mortgage front, and, and I'll add, title's regulated pretty heavily. So in Texas, for instance, you can't change the price. It is what it is. But on the mortgage front, one of the big reasons we started mortgage was because we can save people a ton of money. We can offer really competitive rates because we don't have to go pay another uh, salesperson to go find that lead. If you're buying a home with Door, we're giving you cash back, but you're also working with Door, so it's really easy to get you to talk to Door Mortgage. And that enables us to provide great, great rates because uh, we don't have to go spend a bunch of money acquiring that client separately as a lot of the right. big providers around the country do. Yeah, the, the, the lead gen cost itself, just like on the mortgage side and the real estate side, adds up to so much. That's actually part of the justification you hear of traditional brokerages. Why they have to keep their price so high. It's like, well, because lead costs so much and this, that, and the other. I know. Oh, gosh. The, the justifications for keeping the 6% commission just make me laugh. You know, like, oh, well, I don't get to, you know, traditional agents say all the time, you see that in comment sections on Facebook and so forth all the right. time. Oh, well, I have to give some to the brokerage. And then guess what? I have to pay federal income taxes. You know, it's like as, <laughs> as though no one has to pay federal income taxes. And, and you know, yeah, yeah I, I, you're, you're totally right. It, it's, uh, the, the cost of acquiring leads in real estate is really expensive. And I think what's lost in the discussion a lot when you're talking about residential real estate is so much of the problem is not a technology problem. It's a, it's a lead acquisition problem because mm -hmm. it's, it's noisy. It's an infrequent transaction. It's expensive to acquire clients. Yep. And uh, what we're trying to solve in a big way is, is not just a technology problem, but also a, a huge client acquisition problem. You're, mm -hmm. you're trying to cut through a ton of noise. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'll say though, you know, so that if anybody wants to call me out on being uh uh, uh, inconsistent here. So I have sold homes 
and, and we, you know, on the contract, 3% listing side, 3% seller side. I will say this, if you're delivering the service, you can charge whatever you want. You can charge 20% if it was worth it. I mean, I don't know. There's probably some properties out there that are impossible to sell and it's going to take one special person. But I think uh, what you guys are bringing to the table is you're talking about the convenience. You're talking about you know, you're the people who want to save money and I don't know, maybe they, they don't want drone photography or all the, all the things that add up for, that don't necessarily deliver value, that don't necessarily make the home sell for more, don't necessarily bring the home seller more, but they're you know, part of the, the service, if you will. I think that makes a ton, a ton of sense. Yeah, you know, the there's it's a really interesting time when it comes to what people are paying for real estate transactions from a couple couple of perspectives. The first is, you know, we we really focus on the sell side, so people selling their home because uh, buyers, generally speaking, don't equate buying a home with paying commission. Uh, the reality is, generally why, speaking, why is that though? Well, I, I think the biggest reason is when you look on a search engine looking for a house, uh, you see the house costs $300,000, but it doesn't say your agent's going to be paid $9,000, 3% on this transaction. Right. And I think that's for a really disingenuous reason, which is real estate agents, their, their local MLS boards, multiple listing service boards, generally speaking, prohibit you from publishing how much uh, buyer's agent commissions being offered. The, there was one MLS recently in the Northwest that just Northwest. came out and yeah, it just came out and allowed you to publish that, but it is incredibly opaque to consumers. Yep. And so consequently, oh, and the other thing that drives me crazy is the National Association of Realtors in its code of ethics allows buyer's agents to say that their services are free, which that was the one I was looking for right yeah. there. And I, I just think, I just think the NAR codifies the ability to lie to clients, which is crazy to me because buyer's agent services aren't free. Uh, the, you're, you're paying a commission when you're using a buyer's agent to buy a house and it's 100%. usually 3%. Yep. And so the reason buyers don't equate buying a house with that is because it's this indirect payment that happens at close. That's not disclosed uh, upfront when you're looking at the price of the home. That's but right. There are a couple class action suits right now against the NAR and a lot of the big brokerages. The Department of Justice separately is investigating a lot of major MLSs uh, for this buyer's agent commission issue. And I'm hopeful that we're going to see really wholesale change in the coming years as to how that commission's disclosed. Because uh, I think, and I, I've heard a lot of realtors say otherwise, but I just think they're mistaken. If buyers had to pay their buyer's agent out of pocket, buyer's agents aren't going to be used anymore. And you can argue till you're blue in the face that, that that's going to result in a worse outcome. I just don't think that's true. I mean, people in Europe, generally speaking, don't use buyer's agents and homes are bought and sold all the time. And guess what? You can get in a real estate attorney for a couple thousand dollars and, and cover all your bases when you're buying a house and you don't need to pay 3% of the purchase price to do so. Yeah, I will say that, there, you know, there's absolutely something to having someone negotiating for you. Um, you know, I kind of like to equate it like this. Imagine, do you like to play the game Catan? You ever play I've Catan? heard of it, never played. Uh, it's a fascinating, fun game. I love it. It's got a lot of rules and ways to win, and every game is different every time you set up the board. But imagine playing the world champion, you know, and, 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 and you're just like second time on the board, right? It's an unfair advantage. 
And I can understand like having, having someone in your corner negotiating for you. That being said, you know, I've also been in the scenario with the only friction in the transaction was between the agents. And it actually was a detriment to both sides, you know, and it, it took away from both the joy of the experience, which buying a house should be fun. I don't care what anybody tells you, yeah, it's stressful, but it should be fun. You know, there should be some joy in it, but it was also distracting and almost caused, I've had deals almost fall apart because of that, because of the tension between agents. And I don't see how that's helping people. And it's really both sides nervous. The deal might fall apart, overreacting, trying to just protect the commission more so than trying to protect the interests of the client, which is what, you know, is supposed to be the issue. Yeah. You know, I, and I, I, I don't really agree with the idea that uh, a real estate agent's really incentivized on the buy side to to save you money. I mean, they they get paid more money if you pay Agreed. more. Money. Yeah, so that doesn't line up very well with your your interest as a buyer. But then, secondly, when you look at the data, uh, you know, in, in DFW, for instance, the average sale to list price ratio last I looked was about ninety eight percent. Meaning, if you're using a buyer's agent, they're negotiating two percent off the purchase price. Great but you're paying 3% of the purchase price to get that. So that's a pretty raw deal. It's like paying a dollar to, you know, save a quarter. Right. Uh, so I, I, I think that the frustrating piece on the buy side is we, three years ago, for instance, we actually gave back all the commission above $5,000 when you bought a house with us. Whoa. Yeah. Great deal. And it just, we have not been able to figure out how to make that message connect and it's too expensive to acquire a buyer client to yep. give all that money back. And so uh, we haven't been able to make that make sense. And I really wish we could because that was a screaming deal and it was just hard to make people care. Wow. That, I mean, I, uh, I wish I would have known about that when I bought my place. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, uh, that, that, that would be an amazing deal for a lot of people. And I think a lot of first time buyers uh, would, would certainly be looking for that. So I, I, we, we talked about this earlier. So the, the cost to list is 5,000 with you guys. That's right. I'm curious then. So have you run any math to try and see like, you know, on the, and, and you talked about average savings. Have you added up that what, what the potential average or like total savings you've saved sellers across America? I haven't looked recently. Uh, but last I looked, I think we were over 10 million, but don't quote me on that. I'd, I'd have to update the calculation. Got it. That's, and that's a ton of money. It's a lot of money. Yeah. That's, re that's real money. And that's only how many states? Uh, I mean, that's almost entirely out of Texas. At, at the last time I looked at the calculation. This time next year, it'll be probably 50% in Texas, something like that. Wow. Right in the home of Keller Williams. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I got to give a shout out to Keller Williams. That's where I got my teeth cut. I, I started with a Keller Williams team up. Yeah, there. we've we've hired a lot of people who started at Keller Williams. I mean, they they've got a machine over there. But I I, I do think that's a, a kind of an interesting point because what what is oftentimes not talked about is traditional brokerages are really in a different business from the one that Door.com is in. Mm. Traditional brokerages are in the business of recruiting agents. And door.com and, and most of the startups I know of, are, we're in the business of making our clients happy because our agents are employees. And so they're, they're really, it's an important distinction to keep in mind. Uh, again, I, I kind of alluded to this, but Compass is a great example. Uh, when you're working with an agent, you're, you're that agent's client, but, but Compass's CEO has very explicitly said, 
our client, our customer is the agent. And then the agent serves the, the home buyer or seller. But that's a, it's kind Correct. of a nuanced distinction, but it's an important one. Yeah. So I, I love getting into discussions about growth. We talked about the culture that you guys are, are building over there. Um, but, you know, as far as like growing uh, in adoption with home sellers, what would you attribute to the reason Door's been able to get the adoption that you guys have been able to get? I, one of the most powerful things I've seen in, in my time at Door uh, has just been getting random coffees and lunches with people, as funny as that sounds. And I think one of the earliest things at Door, and, and frankly, in retrospect, if this hadn't happened, I don't know where we'd be today. But uh, in June of 2016, I I met a guy who introduced me to a guy who introduced me to this lady, and she happened to be a writer for the Dallas Morning News. And she wrote a story on Door, and we were on the front page of the Dallas Morning News, I think it was June 1st of 2016. Wow. And we had no business being there. It was was Donald Trump at the top. This is when he was uh, running, I believe, (laughs) and it was us just above the fold, but on the first page. And uh, the, you know, as you might imagine, we exploded. That was six months after our first transaction, maybe. And <clears throat> that was a watershed moment for us. And had that not happened, I don't know. Again, I don't know where we'd be today. But that was only because I just had random coffees and lunches with people. And, and a person led to another person. And so I, I think it's rightfully, you know, it's, it's set off and spend time talking to your customers, spend time uh, looking at your products, spend time working on your operations, do all those things, of course. But uh, I, I think with, with founders particularly, it is, I, I don't hear it discussed very much. And I think it's really important, you know, going to startup networking events is one thing, but meeting people out in the wide world is another thing. And it's a really important thing to do because it takes a few years, but there's this kind of compound interest effect on who your network is. And you never know who's going to lead to something really magnificent and who's going to lead you to the next big investor or, or the Dallas Morning News cover story or, or whatever it might be. Yep. And so yep. I think that's been a real trajectory changer for us over the past few years. Yeah, I, I think you're so right about that. I've had multiple, uh, in the, just in a, with a little bit more than a year that I've been you know, going intentionally into prop tech um, about a year and a half into this now, I would say specifically in prop tech, despite my previous real estate experience. And that is so true. I mean, each connection leads to another and there's just so many good relationships out of that, uh, that happen. Um, and you know, I, I feel fortunate. I actually, our, our CEO does an amazing job of that. You know, I witness it all the time. Um, and you, you're right. It, it, you, you never know where that, some of those relationships can go. And if you're strategic and consistent about it, that's where it, it has that compounding effect. Yep. Totally agree. So one thing I also like to talk about and talking about growth is also failed experiments. Yeah. Failed uh, attempts at growth. Cause especially when you're in growth stage, so much is happening. Uh, is there anything that you guys have tried where you thought you had a good idea, you went down that road and, you, you had to pivot or it was a total failure that, that you can share with us? Well, I, that buy side commission structure thing I mentioned a minute ago, I, I think it's certainly one I'd, I'd put at top of the list. 
as I mentioned, I mean, I'm, I'm really passionate about saving people money. It is in no way, shape or form cost 6% to transact a house these days. And early on, we were, we were doing everything back above $5,000 when you bought a house with us. So, so to illustrate what that means, you're buying a $300,000 house, we'd give you back $4,000 in almost every case. Wow. And that's a lot of money. And um, we just, the message didn't seem to resonate with people. So uh, we, we moved away from that. We now do half back, which is still pretty great. But uh, yep. you know, I, I wish we could have figured out how to make that that message connect. Outside that, let me think. I mean, there's there's been a lot of stuff we've tried that didn't work too well. We spent a lot of money on doing events early on just to kind of get the community thing going. What um, did did that help us? I mean, a little bit. But what we learned pretty early on is it's it's really hard to scale. It's hard and tiring to scale scale events at all. So like buyer seminars. Uh, bigger events, bringing people together, that sort of stuff. It's really hard to do well on an ongoing basis. Yeah. And I, I think there probably is a place for that in a marketing mix. We, we spent a lot of money with not much to show for it uh, doing that. Um, I think the other thing that, that has become clear to me is, is just, I, I think networking out in the, the venture capital you know, hotspots in the country is important to do earlier on. And the, the ones I'm talking about primarily are, are the Bay Area and then yep. New York and Boston to a lesser extent. But we're, we're here in Dallas. And obviously, there's a massive economy in the middle of the country that is often overlooked by startups and, and by investors. Um, I, I think it, it is very worthwhile to spend time building a network out in SF or out in New York City or Boston if you're in the middle of the country uh, so that... You, you get that network going early because it's very time intensive to build a good network. And I wish I'd done that more earlier on hmm. uh, than, than I did. It's a savings account. You can't cash, you know, you can't withdraw cash until you, you've stashed it away. Yeah, that's very right. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's, that's a great uh, view of that. Um, I want to shift a little bit here. Um, and we'll, we'll, uh, this is something that is in all the headlines what everyone's talking about, you know, especially with startups is raising money. Yeah. So you talked about you're, you're building these relationships with VCs, you know, you got to get out of the, the middle of the country, which I mean, Texas is its own country. It really so is. I got to ask you if you knew about this. This is such an interesting thing. I recently learned about Texas. Texas's deal with the U S originally, did you know Texas still has the right? I, I knew this. I know what you're going to say. And yes, I did. Okay, that they could subdivide into four states total. Yeah, and, and uh, I've heard that Texas has the right to become an independent republic at its will uh, down the road. And it's fascinating to me that they won't take it off. That they have well, there's no motion to take it off the books. I suppose if they tried, it probably would. But um, you know, there, there is a fierce <clears throat> Texas spirit. That's for sure. And I love it. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, I think Texas is a great place to live. Really friendly folks, <laughs> and and I mean, it is what I think the economy is about the size of France's or something like that. It's a massive, massive economy here. We can we can find a better comparison, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, let's let, let's talk about the money that's coming in the space. Uh, first thing I want to ask, and, and feel free to share what you can and willing. You know, have you guys raised any money and how much? And then the second thing is. You know, there's so much money flowing into real estate tech and prop tech. Why is that happening now? There is a ton of money flowing into prop tech right now. Uh, we've raised about 22 million 
and that's been mostly from family offices in in Texas and uh, working on a, a outside Texas institutional round uh, in pretty short order. Um, wow. Why is that going into prop tech right now? I, I think there are a lot of trends converging. Access to information, you know, 95% of consumers now start their search online when they, they go to buy a house. And so that that information playing field has really leveled. Uh, and by information playing field, I mean realtors used to control access to all that information. They don't the anymore. Book. Yeah, it was literally a book, exactly. Yep. Yep. Uh, you know, I, I think the second is it's a really fragmented space. And at least in my experience talking to investors, every investor in the world just just feels so strongly that of course it's too expensive and of course this space needs to change. Uh, I think what what is missed in the the influx of money right now are a couple things. One, iBuyers are are getting a ton of cash right now. You know, open door, knock, offer pad, etc. Yep. Uh, I, I think the tough thing there is from a consumer's perspective, it's actually more expensive to to sell your house more often than not to to an iBuyer. And it's often eight to ten percent, maybe twelve percent of the purchase price. And that's a lot of money. That's a lot, a lot of money. And uh, the other piece of it is just, it's so capital intensive and Phoenix is the biggest iBuyer market. Yep. Uh, you know, you've got around 6% market share of iBuyers there, but that's the highest of anywhere. And, and it, I, the, the amount of capital you need to aggregate in order to transact any meaningful share of the, the total transaction volume. We were talking about before the call, right? Over a trillion dollars of residential real estate is transacted every year. That is a lot of money. Just in the U.S. It's so much money. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think what is lost in the space is a lot of attentions focused on making agents' lives better. And when you go to big real estate conferences, almost all the time, people talk about two things and two things only. How do I get more leads? And uh, how do I get, uh, you know, more more efficient? Or how do I get... Uh, uh, you know, how do I better my business? That sort of idea. And, and what really isn't talked about much, I think, is how do we make this um, experience better for clients, for customers? And right. I think that a lot of money is coming into the space right now because that is a really intriguing promise that we can make this a better space, a better experience for consumers. And, and iBuyers are a reaction to that, right? What's better than getting cash for your house in three days. That's a great value proposition. Uh, I think the the dangerous piece of that value proposition is it, it covers up a lot of potential business model flaws. And, and we're not an iBuyer, so I don't, I don't know the P&L of all those companies. But when you look at Zillow and Redfin, the publicly traded companies that are participating in iBuying now, they're, they have negative gross margins and they're, they're scaling that business right yeah. now. But that is a really expensive, low mm-hmm. margin business. So I'm just skeptical that that is the answer. And when you look at iBuying, it's oftentimes put up in opposition to the traditional model. So paying 6% commission. Well, if commissions compress, then iBuyer margins necessarily compress. So it, it, uh, it, it'll be really interesting to see what happens in the next few years. And uh, I, I think a lot of that money is coming in just because the, inf- the, the world is so much flatter. Information is so much more accessible now. Yep. 
Yeah. And it's so interesting. Like you talk about the amount of cash needed. So, uh, you know, open door, how much they've raised, what uh, hundreds of millions. Yeah. I don't know what it is. It's hundreds of millions. It's more, more commas than I care to count. And it took a company like that for Redfin to expand operations. And they've got 1.6 market cap. Yep. 1.6 billion, by the way, that's B billion. And they, they had to partner with someone to even accelerate growth because, you know, at this point, you know, I, I don't know how, I guess they could figure out a way to influence the stock or sell more of it. But, you know, it's not like they don't, they're not going back to, to, to SoftBank and saying, hey, can we have another infusion? And here <laughs> we go. And so I, I think it's fascinating to see, like, we're really seeing now how much money it's going to take. It's really going to put to, I, your point of if we continue to see a compression of commissions and, you know, for some people, worst case scenario, what if the entire structure of commissions has to change due to some of these action, class action lawsuits? Um, it really will put that model to the test because right now the comparison is to the standard, you know, 6%. Um, and, you know, I could see for some how it makes total sense to use an iBuyer. It's the same reason people sell to wholesalers you know, as far as I'm concerned. Um, but uh, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting in the next few years to see how the, that all shakes out and, and to see if there's any storms that they, they'll be able to weather and who, who comes out on top. You know, if, if the class, act, if what the class action suits I think are wanting to have happen, which is delinking listing agent commission from buyer's agent commission, that is going to be the wild west in, in the U.S. real estate market because we touched on this earlier. Buyers don't have the money and don't want to pay a buyer's agent out of pocket. And I, I think Correct. I, I just don't think that buyer's agent uh, buyer's agent services are valued at three percent of the purchase price. The only reason that that is sustained is because it's not a direct payment. It's not really felt in the pocketbook of the consumer. And so if that changes, uh, at least in the UK and Western Europe, the model becomes much more uh, concentrated, bigger, but fewer firms selling houses. And so that, that's what uh, I'm looking to down the road is a, a scenario in which there are fewer but bigger firms selling houses as opposed to real estate brokerages with, with hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands of independent contractor real estate agents. All right. Well, that, that's a perfect segue into uh, my, my favorite segment of the show, which I like to call For the Future. So For the Future is where I get to ask each guest who comes on the show to give their best predictions based on the following four questions. Alex, are you ready to play? Let's go. All right, let's do this. Question number one, what does Dora look like one year from now? So we'll be licensed in 50 states. I think we'll be probably actively advertising in 10 to 15 would be my guess. And uh, I think we'll have even more efficient agents. So I, I would hope that our agents move from selling eight to 10 houses a month to 15 to 20 houses a month. And uh, I hope that our, I would intend, I should say that our, uh, our, our software has make it, made it even easier and, and more transparent for clients. So it, it's, we just want to increasingly make it a better experience. Love it. <clears throat> Question number two, the magic crystal ball. What will the housing market look like? One <laughs> year from now? 
you know, if, if I knew I would be a billionaire, right? Uh, <laughs> I, I think what is really interesting right now, we, we were a little bit worried about things and then the Fed cut interest rates. And what we saw at the end of last year when interest rates hit 5% briefly, uh, the brakes really slammed on. And we're seeing an affordability crisis and have been seeing one in the U.S. But I also am of the opinion that that's the new normal, that the days of the U.S. having cheap housing are gone. And the reason I think that's the case is because the U.S. is increasingly an urban country. And it's really a tale of two countries now. You've got the urban, high-performing, high-growth cities, and then you've got the rest of the country. And so those high-growth cities where you have a lot of people, there's this network effect. There's a flywheel starting where more and more people are going to move there, which is going to make more and more people and more and more businesses move there. And there's a fixed amount of real estate in all those big cities. And so I think it's a new normal that there are just going to be more people and more demand for the houses in those high growth cities. And so the days of cheap houses in Dallas, for instance, DFW, those are gone. You know, houses are not relatively cheap anymore compared to what they were 50 years ago. So uh, I think in the long run, I think uh, the American dream, quote unquote, is going to become increasingly something of the affluent where you're going to have to have a relatively high household income to afford a house. Fascinating. Well, if you need a house uh, for under 50 grand, I know where you can still get them. It's just not, uh, not, a, not a great area. Certainly not many downtown areas. <laughs> no, no, no. All right. Question number three, what's one industry trend you think will continue, but you wish would go away? Oh, that's an interesting question. You know, this, those, kind of real estate side hustle videos you see on Facebook. I see, I see a lot of them. Which oh my ones? gosh. Yeah. I hate those. And then <laughs> and house flip conferences. Um, you know, I, I think that it is a really bad aspect of the real estate brokerage industry that real estate brokerage and being a real estate agent is promoted as a great part-time job. I, I am of the opinion that when people are transacting their biggest asset that they'll likely ever transact in their whole life, and that's what a house is, mm-hmm. uh, that's no place for a part-timer. I think that that should be someone who does this every single day, professionally, full-time. And so uh, that that's door, obviously, and uh, several startups in the space. I, I think that this should be a space of full-time professionals, not part-timers. I, I have to add this. I didn't want to add you know, any anecdotes here to all your answers, but... So Troy Moliot, who's out of Bellingham, Washington, uh, he actually built the first Windermere website. Oh yeah! But he is a he's a killer uh, agent. Runs his own brokerage. Dominant in the commercial market in that area. When I was uh, considering becoming an agent, and we were having coffee, uh, he told me he's like, Nate, you can't be part time. You you have to be full time. Yeah, this is not a part-time business because I was I was talking to him about like maybe I'll do it part-time for a few months and then see if I want to go full-time. He's like, you're in or you're out. There's no there's no part-time in this business. You know, the other thing I think that real estate agents have done is they've trained people to treat them like crap, and they've they've trained people to not value the services. And I I think that's a bad part of the uh, industry as well. Oh, don't worry. My, my services are free if you're buying a house. Oh, don't worry. It doesn't cost you anything to list your house with me. And, and reality is, uh, it does. It, it, it's it's an expensive thing to do. Yeah. I, I think that, that there's this sales tactic of, oh, sell yourself. 
and sell that it's not a cost to the consumer until something happens. Uh, and I think that that trains a lot of bad habits uh, a lot of the time. That's fascinating. All right, we're getting on to question number four here. Yeah. For the, uh, what's one thing you believe will dramatically change or fade away in real estate as a result of technological advances? I think that the biggest thing I can see happening is this class action suit that we've been talking about in the DOJ investigation. If sell side and buy side commissions are delinked, that's going to be the wild west, as I said earlier, but also I think a tech renaissance in the space, because then in order to survive, companies will have to handle significantly higher volume than they do on a per agent basis right now. And that you know, volume leads to innovation, in my opinion, in this space, because hmm, the reason technology has been so slow to come into real estate is because when you're a traditional agent doing four or five transactions a year, which is what they do on average, you would no way, shape or form need any technology for that. You could drive contracts around town and, and only handle paper and you're fine. <laughs> and if you're doing a hundred transactions a year, by comparison, you absolutely need technology. And absolutely. So, Volume engenders technology and improvements for consumers. So that that is my hope in the next several years. Awesome. All right, we're going to move on to the last three here. Uh, Alex, these are questions more about you so our listeners get to know you better. Uh, the first one is, what are you reading? Right now I'm reading a book called 1491, which is a history of the Americas before the Europeans' arrival. And it's really interesting. That sounds fascinating. Uh, question number two, who are you learning from? That's a good question. I read a lot of articles online and Quora is one that I love reading just because you get a lot of different, you know, topics all the time. And some of them are questionably experts probably who are writing those answers, (laughs) but I'm a believer that reading a breadth of information just helps you make connections between different things. And I'd also say our employees, uh, they, we're increasingly fortunate that we hire people with just great domain expertise. And I really enjoy learning from the folks we hire and that, that helps me get better. That helps the entire organization get better. Awesome. And the last one here, what inspires you? You know, I think that I, I would probably say the exact same thing that you just, uh, this exact same answer that I just said, which is, uh, I think our employees and our investors certainly do. You know, I, I want to provide a good return to our investors. I want to provide a great career path for our employees. Uh, and then the other piece is just clients. You know, I, of course, I want to build big, a big business, as I'm sure every entrepreneur does. Um, but in this case, as I've mentioned a couple of times, I'm, I'm really excited by the idea that we could save people a bunch of money and build a big business at the same time. And so that, that vision is really inspiring to me. I, I enjoy working towards that every day. And, and I'm, I'm kind of a weirdo. I, I, love, I love getting up and going into work every morning. I look forward to the weeks. You know, it, it's, I, I'm really lucky, I think, to be working on something that is fun and meaningful to me. And I, I hope that's the case for our, all our employees as well. But uh, that, working towards that vision really gets me up in the morning. That's awesome. This has been great, Alex. I uh, really appreciate your time. Everything you have had to share about Door, the industry, where you guys are going, where the, the industry is going. Uh, but before we close out this interview, I want to give people a chance. If they wanted to connect with you directly or learn more about Door, uh, where do they go? How can they do that? Yeah, easiest one is just email me. It's alex at door.com. 
There it is. Endure.com. Ease, that's such a good domain. <laughs> I got to find out who your guy is on getting domains, man. That's a guy. You got a guy. I need that guy. Well, hey, I appreciate it. I'm going to be following uh, the journey as you guys go along. Uh, I think that uh, I think you guys have a, a bright future ahead of you. And so I'm, I'm going to be rooting. I'm always rooting for the good guys. Um, and, but, uh, you know, feel free to keep me posted. But again, thanks so much for your time. And uh, let's keep in touch. Same to you. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. Thanks so much. Well, that's it for today. Thanks so much for listening to the Tech Nest podcast. Hey, don't forget, you can get on the email list so you never miss an upcoming episode. That's technest.io. That's T-E-C-H-N-E-S-T dot I-O. Get on the email list. Uh, go to the App Store, whether you found us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you found us. Leave us a five-star review and share it with your friends. And if you've got a guest or someone that you'd like to recommend, or if you think that you'd be a great guest on the show, hey, send me an email, nate at realteampanda.com. That's nate at realteampanda.com. See you guys later.